Good morning, fellow students, and welcome to another episode of Legacy Weapon. I am your host, Jamie, and with me is Drew. Hi, kids. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Drew. Anyway, we're going to talk about the next 20 most commonly played cards in Legacy. Yeah, uh, this is a continuation of uh, uh, the cycle of episodes. Uh, I don't know how many of these we'll do, but sure, call it a cycle. It's at least a two-part yeah, cycle. Because technically, we can just keep going forever. It's right. like the 10,000 most played cards, so leave them wanting more, right? Yeah. How, how many episodes <laughs> do you think we'll have to do before we get to Fungal Bloom? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all of the episodes. <laughs> did you know that the name Legacy was picked by vote on the Wizards website? I did not know that. It was. There's been some interesting uh, other names that it could have been. We'll save that trivia for later. Leave them wanting more. Yeah. All right, anyway, uh, we previously went through the top 20 uh, most commonly played cards. The the next one is uh, uh, our first artifact. Uh, this is Umazawa's? Umazawa's? Umazawa's Jinte. We're, we're not racist, we found. <laughs> I, I can never pronounce that right, so thank you. Um, this is... Uh, uh, an artifact that I don't actually have one of, but Drew, I think you run it in, in one of your lists. I do. Uh, like everybody else who runs Umuzawa Jete, I run exactly one, uh, because it isn't part of a package with a card we're going to come to in just a minute. But it's an equipment, and it does some really weird things. It doesn't sound that great, actually, when you read it. It's a little hard to describe. It does nothing on its own. Like, when you attach it, nothing changes on the creature. Right. But whenever that creature deals damage to a player, to a creature, to a planeswalker, anything, you put counters on the equipment. Right. And then the counters are sort of like ammunition for the Jite, which is weird. Why the Jite would have ammunition, I don't, I don't know. But basically that's how this works. A wizard did it, Drew. Uh, yeah, right. It's, it's magic. 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 Magic is the name of the game. Um, so you can remove, remove them to give the creature plus two, plus two until end of turn. That one counter to give the creature plus two, plus two until end of turn. To right. give another target creature minus one, minus one until end of turn. Or to gain two life. Uh, the most common use of this, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah. is the minus one, minus one. Right. It basically turns your creature just into a shotgun. Right. Killing everything your opponent has. It, you attack with your two-two, they block with a two-two, both creatures die... The GK gets the counter still, and so now you can kill off two of his 1-1 right. in addition. Right. So this is uh, super great against decks that have lots of small creatures. Most creatures in Legacy are small, so this is against a lot of decks going to be a, at least a two-for-one just from attacking time. one time. Yes, every, and every time you attack, and then right. you swap on a new creature. Right? Two to play, two to equip, so right. not especially expensive or especially cheap, but it's fine. And then even if they're not doing those things... It's still a good card because those other abilities are still relevant. If you need to try to yeah. run up damage on them quickly, those extra plus two plus twos are pretty great. Um, and yep. then if they're if they're if you need to just outlast them while they're trying to run up damage on you, you can gain life. So yeah. there's rarely a situation other than maybe against a pure combo deck where none of those abilities is actually going to be relevant. Sure. You said that the reason this gets played is the next one on our list. Yeah. Uh, the next one on our list is a white creature. Uh, yep. There's a, a cycle of cards that are kind of known as. Uh, the, the, the two mana creatures. Uh, there's a super deck. catchy name. Yeah, is, is there a better name? Can I don't know. Make up a better name. I. Ooh, can we make up a better name? Oh, oh, we can. We have we have the power. 
Can they be the Planeteers? Ooh. There's five of them. Ooh, I like this. All right. With their powers combined, they make um, Legacy? Five-colored Dirtle? <laughs> Captain Legacy, yes. Anyway. Captain Legacy. <laughs> I like this. Yes. This live TV, folks. Love All right. It. Okay, this one is uh, Stoneforge Mystic. This is the white member of the cycle. Uh, it is two mana, a white color, and it's a one-two creature. Comes into play. You can search your library for an equipment card, hence why you only need one GK, because you can search for it. Right. And put it into your hand. Then you shuffle your library. Almost every deck that runs Stoneforge Mystic runs Jite. There are one or two decks that do run Jite without running Stoneforge Mystic, though. We don't need one or two archetypes. We mean like one or two people. <laughs> they, right. They, they are literally each 23.3%, both of them, the yep. exact same percent of uh, decks play them uh, as of this recording. These numbers, abilities, should, these numbers we should throw out there, by the way, they come from a website called mtgtop8.com, which is a great resource for learning about legacy de- decks and cards and such. You yeah, check that, it out. We're, they've got lots of good deck lists, and uh, the feature we're looking at right now, most played cards, giving yep. us just good lists to work off of. So you can, you can search for that artifact, uh, and it then is a body that could wear the artifact if it needs to. Right. Uh, the second ability it isn't useful for the Jute, but is very useful for something coming up. Two mana and tap the Stoneforge Mystic, put an equipment card from your hand onto the battlefield. Right. Jute already just... costs two mana, so that's no benefit. But if you have a really expensive equipment, intent spoilers, <laughs> free casting of spells. Right. Uh, which actually, the other thing it does do, um, it does make your dropping of your equipment uncounterable. So sometimes you manage to sneak the Stoneforge Mystic in past a counterspell, and now you can uh, sneak the Jite past a counterspell too. So at instant speed. At instant speed, right? Not that you can equip at instant speed, but every once in a while, it's, it's, it does le- let you leave your mana open until the end of the turn. Yeah. Before we get to the next card, we actually do want to thank our sponsor, uh, Tin Street Market, has sponsored this podcast episode. Uh, if you need anything while you're in Ravnica, going down the Pin Street Market, uh, it is just past the 10th District, but uh, don't, don't go west of there, because that's, that's a, a Rakdos territory. But anyway, stay on the east side of the Tin Street Market, and you will be taken care of very handedly. Uh, the beggars are kept to a minimum, the pickpockets are friendly, and the enforcers only take 30%. <coughs> Tin Street Market, all of your Tin Street needs. For when you need a street made of tin. Or anything else. We need a jingle for Tin Street Market. Drew, give us a jingle. Uh, this musical interlude is not found. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Alright. Uh, uh, the next card on our list is a blue creature called Truno Nemesis. Yep. This is a mistake. Yeah. It's not Nemesis a mistake that's on our list. It's, yeah, not a mistake that's on our list. A mistake that it exists. Uh, Wizards has even said they're sorry. Yeah. Uh, this was printed in Commander. Commander, which which Commander was that, Drew? Uh, this was Commander 2013. All right. Uh, meaning that it was never legal in Standard. It was never legal in Modern. It's only legal in Casual, Vintage, and Legacy. And Commander, but it's super terrible in Commander, so... Yeah. Uh, it it anyway. is three mana. It, it's a three mana blue merfolk rogue, uh, and it's a three one, so fragile. I think this is the first spell we've seen that actually gets played for its casting cost that costs more than two. Yes, 
Yeah, it's very true. Which uh, gives uh, you an idea of how powerful this thing is. Yeah, it, it is a 3-1 creature. It has protection from target player. No, no. You choose a player. It doesn't even target. When True Name Nemesis enters the battlefield, name a player. He has protection from that player. That 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 player is now hosed. That yeah. player cannot block him, and neither can that player's creatures. That player's spells cannot target him. That player's damage cannot hit him. Nothing. Nothing. He holds Umazawa's Jite very, very well. Ah, uh, yes. Very well. Yeah. He also he can blocks be... anything for days, because oh, yeah. creatures can't damage either. No, nothing can hurt him. He's such a pain. He's actually, a, they, they printed cards specifically to try to um, give tools against him. Right. Because the, he's just so hard to stop. Two he's wrongs not, make a right sometimes. Yeah, you, you can't hit him with anything. So, yeah. uh, he, he is really only one of two cards that do anything like this that I can think of. The other one costs ten mana. So, yeah. three is a lot less than ten. Right, and it's in blue, which is a color you were probably playing anyway, since it's Legacy. Yeah. Next we have another card that's all about blue. It's a red card, yep. but it's not really for red. I mean, it is. yeah, you play it in a red it, deck, but it's not, it's not about how good red is, it's about how good blue is. Yeah, Pyroblast. Uh, it is an interrupt. It's an instant. I don't even want to talk about that. That's, <laughs> no, that's not a fun That was a dark time. We're going to cut that. Yes. Uh, Pyroblast, one red mana. Counter target spell if it's blue, or destroy target permanent if it's blue. Blue is really good. Right. You may have noticed there have been a number of blue cards. Yeah. Like Drew said, this is not about red being good or even red cards being good. This is really just, there's a lot of blue. Maybe we should do something about that. And this is basically, for I guess a lot of decks, this basically reads one red mana counter target spell, which... Yep. It's pretty great. Since blue is run in at least two-thirds of decks? Yeah. Well, Brainstorm's in 70%, so I'd say that number. Yeah, <laughs> 70%, you're right. Uh, 71. Yeah. Um, it, the fact that Pyroblast, which does nothing against non-blue decks, is in people's main decks, can really just tell you how good blue is and how prevalent it is. Right. Next we have another creature that gets paid for its mana cost that just attacks. It's blue. Blue is the beatdown color in Legacy. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, it is a one mana, one one. <laughs> this is a little better than Master of the Pearl Trident, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is Delver of Secrets. It has the ability that at the beginning of your upkeep, you can look at the top card of your library. If it is an instant or a sorcery, you can show it and transform or flip Delver of Secrets into a 3-2 flyer. Yep. You might have noticed, Blue has a lot of instants and sorceries that it plays, a lot of counter spells, a lot of draw cards, and a lot of ways to rearrange the top of the library. Yep. Between Brainstorm and Ponder, you're going to flip Delver of Secrets almost every game on turn two. So, in addition to being the color that draws cards and the color that counters things, for zero mana, and the things that counter spells for not much mana. It's also the beatdown color that gets a 3-2 flyer for one mana. Yeah. Um, yeah. You may have heard us refer to uh, Delver decks a few times. This deck, this card is so important that it is actually the namesake card for a number of just whole archetypes. Yeah, I can think of 
four right now. They're all called Jeskai Delver or Teamer Delver. Just because this common one one right. is the win condition in most of these decks. Like we said, the, uh, the aggro in Legacy is usually land one reasonably sized threat. A right. three two flyer is reasonably sized that gives you a decent clock. And then just cast counter spells yep. until you win with your three two flyer. Right. Uh, one other thing, only other thing to note is that the decks that play this, about, uh, 20%, they all run four. Cause if you have it, you want it on you turn want one. Four, right. Yeah, cause you want it attacking on turn two. Which I think probably is basically a way of saying that I think it's sort of hard to add up exactly how many decks are Delver decks because they're sort of fragmented and sometimes people will count them as aggro, sometimes we'll count them as mid-range control, depending on what's in them. But yeah, so about 22% of decks are Delver decks, which means that there are about 22% of decks out there that really just care about cantripping in blue while countering spells with Daze and Force of Will and trying to stick a Delver at some point. Drew, that number's so high. It's really give, high. Give me a non-blue card, Drew. Give me a non-blue card. I, I need one. I'm, I'm dying over here. All right, the next card on our list is another equipment. Uh, it's another... What? No, it's not. Isn't it? No. It is on my list. No. No, it's not. What list are I, you looking at? Same one as you. Must have updated or they have the exact same percent, so uh, it randomly picks which one. Maybe the it does. Oh. Okay. The uh, next card on our list is Batter Skull. It's another equipment, another good for- friend of Stoneforge Mystic. It uh, costs five mana, which doesn't matter because you're going to cheat it out with Stoneforge anyway. It's a living weapon, which means it creates a zero-zero creature token when it comes into play, and then attaches itself to that token. It gives the equip creature plus four, plus four, Vigilance, and Lifelink. So, basically, this is one of the reasons Stoneforge Mystic is so good, is that Stoneforge Mystic says, next turn, you get a four, four, Vigilance, Lifelink. That's, yep. Yeah. This thing can also return itself, Batterskull can return itself to its owner's hand for three mana, and then you can bring it back out with Stoneforge Mystic. So this is really hard to get rid of. Right. Um, there's not much targeted removal in Legacy for artifacts, so it's hard to blow this thing up, and it just keeps coming back over and over and over again if you kill the creature. Right, and we talked about how life totals don't really matter, uh, and while that is still usually true, because usually if you're losing on life, the other person just has a dominating board presence and is either grinding you away or it's comboing you out instantly. Batterskull having lifelink actually just makes it impossible if you're both grinding away to outrace right. this Batterskull that never dies. Right. It's also a reasonably valid win condition against um, combo decks. If you can slow down their combo um, and then just hit them a few times with Batterskull, it gives you some sort of clock. Between the Batterskull and the Stoneforge Mystic, that's a four-turn clock if they don't do any damage to themselves with uh, fetch lands, which they probably will. Yeah, I mean, Taxi ideally. Yep. Whatever. Next, we have our first green card and our first black card. It's a yep. uh, hybrid mana. One mana for a one-two uh, creature slash planeswalker. It, it's yeah. not a planeswalker, but people sometimes talk about it like it is. Uh, it has three different abilities. All of which are relevant. All of which are very relevant. Uh, it taps to exile target land from the graveyard and add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So it's a, it's a mana elf. One mana, add mana to your mana pool. It has the additional cost uh, that you have to have a 
land in the graveyard that you can exile. But as we said, there are a lot of uh, fetch lands. You're probably going to have a fetch land in your graveyard on turn one. Right. Or if you don't, your opponent probably does. Right. So that is rarely a hindrance. Uh, you have to keep it in mind. It sometimes will stop it from making mana, but it's also sometimes really good in case somebody has a land in their graveyard that they're going to do some shenanigans with. You can remove it from the game. The next ability is a one black mana and tap Deathrite Shaman to exile an instant or sorcery card. Each opponent loses two life. That makes him a win condition also. Yep. If uh, if for some reason you've gotten stalled out on the ground or you're <laughs> racing, you can just keep hitting him for two every turn. Sometimes getting instant and sorceries out of your opponent's graveyard is also relevant. Yes. There are a lot of ways that opponents can use instant sorcery in the graveyard. Dig through time, for example, as we said, is one way that they can use the graveyard. This makes it also relevant for things with flashback. Yep, Tarmogoy. Yeah, but that too. Uh, the last ability is one green mana, tap, exile card, creature, gain two life. Probably the least relevant of the three, but still important sometimes. Well, it depends. Uh, the life gain probably isn't super relevant, but the ability to exile a creature card from a graveyard is sometimes super relevant, yeah. because there are definitely decks that can't win without putting creatures in the graveyard. Right. There are decks that basically play cards out of their graveyard directly, and if you can get them removed from the game from the graveyard, you win. There are decks which reanimate things from the graveyard, where they'll take a creature from their graveyard and put it directly on the battlefield, get it out of their graveyard, and it's never going to hit the battlefield you win. So, yeah, Deathrite Shaman, big powerhouse, one of the main reasons to play green or black. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's I, an elf just because we decided it needed a relevant tribal It, it looks well. like an elf. No, it doesn't. Yeah. He's got a hood or some very long hair. It's kind of it's hard to tell. humanoid. Yeah. Alright. Next we have the most expensive card, not counting big through time, on our list. Uh, it is a planeswalker. There's Planeswalker on our list. It is Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yep. Best Planeswalker? Bestest Planeswalker. Bestest. It, it is pretty pretty widely held to be the best Planeswalker. Uh, it, it has four abilities instead of the usual three. The most relevant is its zero ability. Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor costs four. Comes into play with three world counters. Usually when he gets played, you will use his plus zero ability, leaving him a three, where you get to cast Brainstorm for free. That's his yep. plus zero ability that he gets to do for free every turn. Cast Brainstorm, draw a card. Yep. Uh, you might remember Brainstorm is the number one most played card in Legacy, so getting to do that every turn is very good. Helps. Uh, <laughs> he does also have a very relevant minus one ability to return a creature to its owner's hand. So this way, if your opponent has some powerful creature in play, something that's threatening to kill Jace, you can return to their hand and he can protect himself that way. Yep. Uh, he has a plus two where you can scry for one, or scry for your opponent. Right. It's called Fate Seal for people who remember seal. that mechanic. Yeah, it, it's nice to look at the top of your library and decide if you want that card. It's much better to look at your opponent's library and decide whether you want to allow them to have that card. Right. When you are struggling to get back in the game, they fate seal you, look at the top of your library, and they say, oh no, that's fine, you can keep that one. Yeah. Oh, burn. Jace is one of the most powerful controlling cards in Legacy. He's in 
most of the uh, controlling type lists as a means to do control. He draws you cards, he removes their threats, and then he, if you're ahead, keeps them from drawing more threats. And he's also a win condition because he has his ultimate ability, and which is a minus 12. takes forever to get there. For that minus 12, win the game. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm exaggerating, but not really. Yeah. You can read it if you want, but basically you should understand this more or less. We'll tell them. I mean, it, it, it happens. It, he it does happen. Uh, so you exile the target player's library, then you take their hand and you shuffle it, and then that becomes their library. Yeah. So they have however many cards were in their hand, maybe sometimes zero because you were countering their spells and they were just in top deck mode hoping to draw something and had nothing left. Well, now they have maybe just no turns left and they're just going to deck themselves next turn. Right. So they, they literally might lose next turn to drawing from an empty library. Uh, best case for them is that they had, say, seven cards in hand. They now, A, have seven turns to beat you. Because notice we didn't say that they get to keep that hand or draw any cards. Right. They just... now have... It, it always empties their hand and just right. how, how much they have in the library. So they now have at maximum seven turns to beat you, at maximum seven cards to do it with, and they know exactly what those cards are. Right. And they probably... They are things that they either weren't able to use earlier or which... They couldn't cast with the mana they had available. Right. If the card was sitting in their hand, it probably wasn't going to win them the game in the first place. Right. So, it's pretty hard to to win after somebody has resolved Jace's ultimate. Next we have our second planeteer. Yeah. This is, this is uh, the blue planeteer. Water. Uh, which, wait, I guess if uh, Sunport Mystic is white, which one is that? Heart? Uh, air? Air? Ooh, yeah, I guess so. Can't be water. Let's see. Well, who's Earth? Earth is green. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it should be heart. Who would be black? Ooh. It might have fallen apart. Black, well, black has to be heart, I guess. Think about black as like a, the creepy heart. It could be kind of like I'm holding your beating heart in my hand. <laughs> okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll work with that. All right. So we, we have the, uh, the water planet here. Uh, one colorless and one blue for a 2-1 with flash. That's already, I mean, playable in a lot of uh, small formats. Right. But, I don't want to say that. It's already kind of decent anyway. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. So, with Flash, decent. The important ability, though, is what's attached to him. When he enters the battlefield, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback for its mana cost. Yep. So basically what this says is two mana for Flash, uh, you get a 2-1, so there's a body on the ground now that can attack and block. Recast whatever you want from your graveyard. Yep. Uh, it's it, sorcerers anyway. Yeah. Mana costs can be a, uh, effect here. You know, we did talk about how mana costs matters. Uh, people usually don't have a lot of lands in play. But a Snapcaster Mage to replay a Lightning Bolt is very common to play right. a creature and now get an extra creature yourself. Snapcaster Mage for sorts of plowshares. Kill a creature, or, so just, or for just brainstorm, or brainstorm. That's very common. It's in blue. Play blue, kids. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I've seen Snapcaster Mage for Pyraxian Pro. Just you only have two mana. Draw a card. Fine. Draw a card. Yeah. yeah. Draw a card and slap a two-one on the table. That's okay. Yeah. Next Value is the name of the game. <laughs> yep. Uh, 
Preordained is our next card, and this is the second four man brainstorm. Yep. Uh, it is also one blue mana. This one is scry two, then draw a card. So uh, like those others, it helps you filter your draws. You get to look at the top two cards, decide if you like one, both, or neither, get rid of the ones draw. you don't like, and then draw a card. Right. Like we were saying, a lot of decks would, re- would like to run eight brainstorms. Actually, there are some decks out there that would apparently re- like to run something like 11 brainstorms. Well, there are some decks that would rather have uh, preordained and ponder. There are not many. Do not, right. I'm not saying preordained better. Uh, ponder is better. But if you're really looking for kind of card quality and mm. just volume of cards, preordain, there's both one for ones, but that one lets you filter out the junk ones specifically, so you can take right. one of the top two and get rid of the other. If you're looking for combo pieces, you just want to dig deep for the one you need. If you're just trying to get gas, preordain is sometimes better. So, sometimes. That's true. Uh, next we have a really weird card that I hate, so I'm going to not talk about it. Alright. This is I, an I, artifact. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it in uh, every format. There's no format where this card should exist. Well, it's it's not in a couple of formats. It's banned in modern, so you don't have to worry about it there. But one down, anyway. four to go. Yeah, this is an artifact. The first artifact that is not fetchable with Stoneforge Mystic. It's Sensei's Divining Top. Costs one, and then it has a couple of abilities. One, you can. The first one, it costs one to activate. You can look at the top three cards of your library and put them back in any order. So it's kind of like ponder without the draw. This is very powerful. It lets you, you can just keep filtering cards you don't want to the bottom of the top three, so you just don't ever draw those. Control decks love to be able to do this repeatedly. The other ability, you tap the top, then you put the top on top of your library and draw a card. Yep. Tap the top to put the top on top. So, you know, get that, uh, actually, you do that anyway. Draw, you draw a card, then put the top on top. So you don't just draw the top again. That would be weird. It, it sounds um, fair, actually. You know, it, it, you pay some mana, you know, one to cast and one to activate it. I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I just hate it so much. You, you pay a mana, you get to look at the top three, you're still going to draw those. They're still just sitting there. You get to rearrange them a little bit, but fine, that's the cost of using a card for it. Uh, you can draw a card, but then you know what your next draw is, the stupid top again. Right. So you're not digging any deeper. This is all before... Fetch lands and shuffling and terrible, right. terrible, evil things happens in this game of magic. Right. Sometimes you care about what the top card of your library is, yep. and this lets you know what it is basically all the time. Yep. Uh, if somebody is trying to kill the Divining Top, you can just tap it in response. Even if they kill the Divining Top, you still can draw the card. So you really can never kill the Divining Top effectively. Yep. There's only about three cards that get played that effectively stop the Divining Top. Right. I, I hate it so much. Yeah. It takes so long. Why is it's, this in Commander? Fine. It, vintage. You can play it in Vintage. Fine. Fine. You can play anything in Vintage. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Fine. Vintage. But I, I, I want to see this thing banned in Legacy and Commander just because... Uh, it, that's it, that's it, not going to happen. Be, no, it, it's not going to happen. No, it, it's fine. It, it's fair. I just... Don't like the complaint about it is that people spend a lot of time then just looking at the top three cards of their library, and then your opponent's looking at their cards, going, hmm, "Which one of these do I want?" And you're not doing anything. And it, it's just it boring, and it, it, it's just a little bit boring, and it goes in a lot of decks that beat me. So 
so I hate it. <laughs> I think that's that's your main problem. That's my main problem. Uh, the next we have our third planeteer, Fire. Yes. Fire. Uh, he is one red and one blue, and he is actually only an uncommon. One red and one colorless. He does not cost blue. Oh, I keep thinking everything should be blue in my game. <laughs> one red and right one... about 60% of the time. But... <laughs> it's true. One red and one colorless for a 2-1. Uh, this guy's only an uncommon. Uh, he's just that strong that he gets into the cycle anyway. He's the only one of the planeteers that's not actually super expensive. Yeah, he's cheap because he's... Well, cheap. He's an uncommon from last year, and he's five bucks? Eh, yeah. Something like that. A little anyway, less than that. He's a 2-1 human. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 creature on the battlefield. It sounds simple, but oh gosh, is that strong when you're playing 1 mana, draw a card. 1 mana, shuffle your library, draw a card. 0 mana, Phyraxian Probe, draw a card. Counter a spell, draw a card. Over and over and over again. Yeah. This guy warps metagames almost as much as Silver does. Maybe even more so, just because now 1 toughness is important. People play single damage cards mostly just to kill this card and all his little friends. Right. Yeah. He can uh, just vomit out a huge stream of creature tokens that can then just aggro you to death. Yeah. While he plays counter while the, his controller plays more counter spells to counter your stuff yeah. and then makes more elemental tokens. Yeah. This guy is an incidental army uh, in the deck that want to play him. Right. Uh, anybody who plays standard may be familiar with uh, Monastery Mentor. Uh, Monastery Mentor uh, or as I like to call him, Old Pyromancer. Uh, he is three mana for a 2-2 who does a similar but better thing, because they all have prowess. He doesn't get played, at least not yet. Uh, maybe he will in time, but he doesn't get played as much as Young Pyromancer, mostly because the difference between two to three mana is a big deal. Right. We said we, we really can't emphasize that enough, and we're, we're going to be sick of hearing it, but even just a slight increase in mana cost changes what turn you can play him on, Changes whether you can hold counterspell magic up. Right. Changes a lot. Also, because Young Pyromancer is in the same color as Lightning Bolt, which is a card you really, really, really want to be playing if you're run, if you're on this kind of strategy. Now, I, I'm going to disagree with you there, actually, just because if you were having to pick like red, blue, or red, white, mm-hmm. if the two Pyromancers, because I'm calling them old Pyromancer for life, uh, if they were equally good, if they filled the same role, which they mm. don't really, because of the different mana cost, but say they did. Red would get you uh, Lightning Bolt, but White would get you Swords of Plowshares. Yeah, but you don't want to give them life if you're on this plan. Uh, yeah, never mind. You That's win. Point. You win. Yeah. You win. All right. Next, we next thing we have is Counter Spell. This is the the original Counter Spell. Costs two blue and a Counter Spell. That's about all there is to say about it. Just what it says uh, on the tin. Do what? Just what it says on the tin. Just it cost, costing two, and especially costing two specifically blue mana, is a little bit uh, expensive for legacy, but it's very good at what it does, and sometimes you just want to counter a spell. Um, most decks don't run a whole ton of these, only like one or two. Um, right. Well, it's because you can't play it on turn one, you maybe can't play it on turn two, especially if you're trying to do other stuff. And you need to leave mana up on, to do it on your opponent's turn, unlike with something like uh, Force of Will or Daze. But it's, it, it fixes just about every problem you can imagine. So, right. does he play? Uh, next, we have uh, fast mana. We talked about getting mana out fast. We talked about how the difference between one mana casting cost and two mana is huge. Well, this one is a way to get more than one mana on turn one. Uh, it's called Lotus Petal. Uh, this mm-hmm. was the fixed version of Black Lotus. This was the 
their second attempt at fixing it, actually. Uh, we will get to their first attempt, which is also, uh, we won't get to that today, but that is probably going to be on the next episode of this cycle. Uh, you can't fix Black Lotus. I think that's just what we've we found out. Yeah, they, they, one of the things they figured out is they tried to fix some cards, like Ancestral Recall, they tried to fix several times, too. Uh, that getting mana really fast and getting lots of cards really fast are always strong. The really, like, the most broken things that you can be doing in Magic. And yeah. so cards that do those things tend to be good, and almost no matter how many restrictions you put on them, yeah. they end up being so good that they break formats. Most, most banned cards are either ways to get fast mana, ignore mana costs, or draw lots of cards. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is the first one of fast mana. Uh, is called Lotus Petal. It was actually a joke that this is just a baby Black Lotus. Cost zero mana. You can play it on turn one. Sacrifice it. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. That is exactly like, Black Lotus, just one third. Yeah, one potency. third of a Black Lotus. Uh, when they printed it, they thought it was dumb and that it wouldn't see any play. The flavor text is commenting on how everybody's greedy on Black Lotus and how it's silly. And yet it's still broken to start. Right. Uh, tons of combo decks run this because it's a way to get your combo to go for a little faster. Uh, you yeah. don't have to wait for that second land drop on turn two. You can just get your second mana right away. Or if you have multiples of them, you can get lots of mana. Yeah. It, it, this is one thing that I've actually specifically heard uh, Wizards say. If you were casting Grizzly Bears on turn one with your Lotus Petal, power to you. We don't care. Like, that's what it's intended for. We were hoping that's what people would do with it. <laughs> Nobody yeah. does that, amazingly. Shockingly, no one does that. No, what what they're doing is playing a game-winning spell on turn one that costs, say, three mana. So if they have two Lotus Petals on an island, I win the game. Right. Uh, next, we have a, another source of fast mana. Um, it, it's called City of Traitors. It's a land. Uh, it, it is a land. And it taps for two colorless mana. Doesn't come into play on taps. You play it. Two mana. Two mana on your first turn. So now that and the Lotus Petal, you've got three mana on turn one out of just two cards. Right. It, it does have a, a substantial downside where if you play a land, another land, you have to sacrifice the City of Traders. That sounds worse than it is. Uh, the main reason being that the, the decks that run this are mostly going to be combo decks. And they're going to use this to get the last two mana they need to combo out. So they're rarely going to need to actually play another land after this because there probably isn't going to be another turn after the time they play and tap this for mana. Right, and the important thing to know is, say there is a next turn for whatever reason, if they want to play another land, they're going to have to sacrifice their city of traders. They can still tap it for mana again that time. Right. So this, say, uh, you know, if you play an island turn one, city of traders turn two, you now got three mana on turn two. Turn three, tap them for three, play another city of traders. Stack your first one, uh, now you've got five mana on turn three. Yep. It's, it's a lot better than it sounds. Uh, you get at least two uses out of it. It's, so, it's yep. strong. Alright, concluding our, uh, the second episode of our, uh, great, Legacy's Greatest Hits, or whatever you want to call it, is the green planeteer. It is called Tarmogoyf. This is another card I think was printed mostly as a joke. Uh, it's a Lurgoyf. I think most Lorgoifs were printed as a joke. There was an old card called Lorgoif that got bigger depending on what was in graveyards. Right. And it was strong for the time. It doesn't get played anymore. It's not really strong anymore. But it got played. It had fun flavor text. Uh, Ach, Hans, run. run. It's the Lurgoif. It's the Lurgoif. 
last words. Yes. Um, so they've, they've made Lurgoyfs over time. Lurgoyf is the creature type. This one is a green and a colorless, and it has power equal to the number of card types in all graveyards. That is artifact, creature, enchantment, instant land, planeswalker, sorcery, and tribal, which, if you don't know about tribal, don't worry about it. It doesn't come up very often. Yeah. Um, the toughness is that number plus one. Right. That, this, this is, this is another mistake. R&D, uh, Wizard of the Coast has again said, they're sorry, this was a mistake. Yeah. It, it looks like it's not going to be that great because, I mean, okay, how big can it get? Well, yeah, count yeah. up the number of card types and that's how big it can be. Right. Unlike the other Lurgoys, which were sometimes equal to the number of creature cards in all graveyards. Well, that can be huge. Right. A 10-10 Lur- Lurgoys, that's fine. That's not unusual. Yeah, Tarmogoyf. I mean, okay, maybe there's a creature died. It's a 1-1. One, one. Or a 1-2, rather. Or, okay, it's a 2-2 two, two for 2. That's fair. No, this guy's usually like a 4-5. Right. Because uh, fetch lands and cantrips, usually often both instant and sorcery cantrips, uh, are in the graveyard. And then usually a creature will get in there, too. And so it's almost always going to get uh, to be a 4-5 pretty quickly. Yeah. The, the mistake that they made and their apology, it was actually just written down wrong. It was supposed to have the same power and top where they were both equal to the amount of stuff in graveyards. So if you removed graveyards, he would die as a zero zero. Mm. Uh, somebody accidentally added the plus one to his toughness, which I, I'm not saying that he wouldn't get played if he didn't have that or that he wouldn't be good, but he would be a lot worse. He'd be easier to kill. He would accidentally die sometimes. He wouldn't be able to play him with empty graveyards. Right. Might have just taken that edge off. But anyway, he is very, very expensive. He is uh, monetarily, and he's very strong. Right. It, it doesn't have any other abilities, notably. It's just a beater and a blocker. It, all it does is go into combat. Yep. We've not seen... We, we've only really seen what... This is, I guess, our fourth beater, so to speak. We've had this guy. We've had... Um, Delver. We've had Delver. We've had True Name Nemesis. Right. Serve some other functions, but that beats. And I'm going to count Batter Skull as just a beater, even though it's a, an artifact rather than a creature. That's fair, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, you, you see, there are creatures that just attack. They're vastly outnumbered by tricky stuff. Right. But most anyway. most decks are trying to do a little more than just that. But this guy is so good at that for a very low cost that he sees a ton of play. Very low cost. His average price is $196. <laughs> Very low mana cost. When wow. you're a pro, you can afford to spend $200 per card, I guess. I think that's it for our episode, Drew, unless there's anything else that you wanted to talk about. Uh, nope. All right. I got nothing. Well, we're very glad to uh been able to be here with you all today, and uh, we wish you well. Well, until next time, remember... Preparation is the best legacy weapon. Thanks. I hope you are doing well over there, down in uh, uh, the the great white south. Yeah. That sounds racist. racist. (laughs) Yeah. There's currently snow in the south, everybody. Sorry, we might have to cut this entire thing. That sounds terrible. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we get an image for this, uh, 
this episode, it should be uh, Invoke Prejudice. Oh, gosh. You're making it worse. <laughs> no, no, no. It should be a picture of a snowy, a snow-covered plane. Snow-covered plane. With, with just a sign in a front yard saying, we're not racist, we promise. We promise. Anyway, we're going to talk whether about... I want to cut all that or leave all that in. 